This is Sean Barksdale, and this is 10 Minutes of Truth. Forget about what somebody else think about you. What do you think about you? Your past don't define you. I want to thank our sponsors, the Trent Law Practice in Halifax. Mike is committed to our Southside Virginia community. He grew up here and came back after law school to work as a public defender. Before starting the Trent Law Practice with Blair, the Trent Law Practice focuses on helping our neighbors right here in Southside with criminal defense and family law. It can represent you on a personal injury or auto accident matter anywhere in Virginia. You can give them a call at 434-471-4339 or look them up at TrentLawPractice.com. Most consoles with Mike or free, either in the office or over the phone. That's TrentLawPractice.com or 434-471-4339. Hello everyone, this is Sean A. Boxdale and this is 10 Minutes of Truth and we're bringing you a special episode from the Public Defender's Office. Stay tuned. Good morning, this is Blair Trent with the Public Defender's Office. And this is Vikram Kapil, also with the Public Defender's Office. We're bringing you a special PSA, and we're so grateful to 10 Minutes of Truth this morning for letting us do that so that we can give you some new updates on the laws that are changing. Today is July 1st, and we're so excited about that change and all the new laws that are coming into the Commonwealth of Virginia and how they can affect our residents here in Halifax County. There's a lot of changes in the law, and they begin today uh, on July 1st. Uh, that's traditionally when the new laws start is uh, July 1st, but this year it's much different. A lot of things have changed, and we're going to talk about some of them that we think affect the community and particularly our clients here at the Public Defender's Office. Uh, let me say a little bit about the Public Defender's Office. The Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees that a person uh, can should have a lawyer at any criminal proceedings. That is important. Is a it is an obligation of government. It's an obligation of the community to ensure that persons who are charged with crimes have someone there to help them, an attorney. If you can't afford one, then one is appointed to you. By law in Virginia, the uh, first person that the court looks at is the public defender. Uh, we have uh, a public defender office here that's based in South Boston, but covers the counties of Halifax, uh, Lunenburg, and Mecklenburg. So we have uh, eight attorneys here that cover those three counties and all the cases from, from uh, General District to Juvenile Domestic Relations District and Circuit Court. So we're very proud to be working with this office and helping the community. So, uh, Blair, let's start with uh, some of the uh, new laws that we think are important that people should know about. Yep, and the first one we're going to be talking to you about is bail. When someone is arrested in the county on a warrant or a summons um, or an indictment, they are taken before a magistrate and the magistrate can set bail for that person. Now, previously in Virginia, there were certain crimes that had a presumption against bail. And so the magistrate would check a box and that person would stay incarcerated until they could get first an attorney appointed if they wanted one or hire an attorney which put it on their family to go out and hire somebody or they waived their right and then they could try and talk to the judge about bail but oftentimes the commonwealth is the one who gets to say no we need some time to think about that the law is changing Vikram can you tell us how those changes are coming in so the laws changed now uh, dramatically in that the court the court always had the uh, right to listen to all to all kinds of evidence from the prosecution about the strength of their case, what happened in the case from the prosecution's point of view. But the law changed now where the court must consider family ties, involvement in, involvement in employment, 
education, medical or mental health, or substance abuse, abuse treatment. The court must hear that information. It's pretty, it's, it's very important information to present to the judge very early on so the judge can decide whether, uh, whether the person should be, uh, should stay in jail. That didn't ha used to happen. Now it, now it's important that the judge knows about that information. The other thing is that there is no longer a presumption against bond, and there's no longer a presumption against bail in Virginia. So a judge, when Vikram talks about you have, the judge has to consider this stuff, that means that we're going to, the biggest change we're probably going to see is some higher bonds and more expensive bonds, but we're going to see more of them being given. So we're going to see fewer people that are being incarcerated, pending trial we get to keep that re that presumption of innocence and that you, you are not guilty until you are actually found guilty which means it's we're hopefully going to see less people sitting in our jails who haven't even been convicted of something and it's very important and this is a, a important part for families of people who are charged that they can reach out to their attorney to give them the information to help their their loved one who is incarcerated uh, before a trial and it, it, it's part of the reason why we're doing this today is to let people know in the community that you can help uh, help your loved one help the attorney to present a good case for the uh, court uh, and try to get people out of jail okay the next thing we're going to talk about is the consideration of mental health and developmental disabilities and how that is going to come into play with the new laws that are changing on july 1st this is a very uh, very dramatic change in the law for uh, uh, beginning today before if a person had a mental health or mental disability something that was affecting their behavior at the time of uh, arrest or at the time of the crime really the only way you could have brought it in to show the judge or a jury is by filing a motion of saying that the person is insane. That's not the case anymore because insanity is a very high standard. But the, the, the law is very complicated and it's very complex. But it allows you to bring some mental health information uh, in a limited basis with uh, some hoops to follow that allows you to bring it to show that did the person actually act in terms of the that's against the law or were there some men, men, mental health or physical disabilities that sort of uh, pushed that along. It's a very uh, new uh, part of the law. A lot has to be seen now, how it's going to be used, how it's going to be deter uh, interpreted, but it's, uh, again, a place where family and, and uh, friends, um, the community can come together and provide information to the attorney uh, for the uh, benefit of the person that's charged. So if you have a loved one who has dealt with a mental health issue in the past and you know that they have a pending criminal matter, it is really, really important that you try to get as much information from their doctors, from their social workers, from their counselors as quickly as possible to the attorney because the attorney can then use it to say, hey, look, this person is not thinking straight. They were not necessarily in the right frame of mind to do this, and a court now has to consider it. So the next thing I think we should talk about, Vikram, is probably the probation violations. Probation and revocation and uh, suspension of sentence. Probation is basically the court telling a person that, look, you're going to be account held accountable to whatever you've done if you've, com if you've been convicted of a crime. We're going, to, we're going to punish you. That could include jail. But 
instead of going to jail, we will put you on probation. That is, we will let you go from jail, go back to your family, go back to work, go back to the community as long as you follow certain rules. That's what probation is. Um, but the law has changed now in which the General Assembly is saying we will not uh, allow judges to put people in jail for the first basically the first two violations of minor violations. Now, if you uh, are on probation, you commit another crime. Well, that's not what this law is about. Those for minor uh, infractions like uh, not uh, calling your probation officer, not being in touch, uh, doing some of the minor things that the rules ask for. Another thing that, um, the biggest one probably that'll hem people up, especially locally with our um, community suffering the way it is from the drug epidemic is if you test positive. Um, in the past, if that first testing positive for some sort of narcotic can put you right back in front of the judge and the General Assembly said, look, we have too many people sitting in the Department of Corrections right now who are testing positive for drugs or didn't stay in touch with their probation officer or missed too many meetings or didn't sign up for counseling and those first two if it's a technical minor violation like that the judge is limited as to how much um, of a sentence they can get but on the third time you come back if you come back for a third violation of your probation that's where we're going to start to get worried which is why we need everyone to know this is not the first two violations are not a free pass it's really just trying to reduce the number of people who are incarcerated but on that third violation if you come back before the judges especially the judges around here you come back on a third one it's going to be tough it's going to be a, a tough situation that's a good point blair the, the the general assembly is saying that look we'll give you two chances we'll give you a chance you know and and families need to know your loved one is has violated uh, probation or a technical violation um you know the the person your loved one needs to step up needs to uh, help keep themselves out of jail and family can help with that to to get them into treatment programs to remind them uh, that treatment programs are available that they need to stay stay on track stay with their job uh, take care of their children these, these are the important things the general assembly i think and the law is now reflecting the idea that we want people to get a second chance and we need to take that second chance that's what we are we're advocating on this new law but uh, it's a, it's exciting it's it's hopefully people can stay out of jail and continue with on with their lives and keep themselves out of trouble but probation is a serious matter it needs to be take, taken seriously by all who are on probation and all of their families Vikram's absolutely right that it's really important for the community to come together and if you see someone starting to get a probation violation and you have a relationship with that person reach out to them say hey let's figure this out let's try and get this back on track and sometimes if it's just like you need a ride to court or you can't get to the probation officer the community can come together and we can get people those rides we can get them to the places where they need to be so that they don't end up with a technical violation okay so the next piece we're going to talk about is expungements this is something that i am super passionate about because you you might have heard me before on 10 minutes of truth talking about getting your gun rights restored that is something you can always do no matter if you um if you have a felony if you have um no matter how violent it was, no matter what, you can apply to get your civil rights restored, and then later you can come back and apply to get your gun rights restored. Um, but 
before July 1st in Virginia to get an expungement, you had to have a dismissal or a no pros or some sort of an acquittal, which basically said you were innocent of the offense. The General Assembly is changing that. And as of July 1st, if you have a conviction, then the court, you can go to the court and apply to have a misdemeanor offense expunged off of your record and and certain felony offenses expunged off your record it has to have been eight years from the time you were released from any supervision or probation or incarceration basically eight years since you're done with court and 12 years if it's a felony 12 years since you were done with probation all that stuff no subsequent criminal convictions and no pending criminal proceedings but if you've done all of those things you can go and talk to a lawyer and unfortunately it can't be us at the public defender's office because technically this is a civil thing but you can go and talk to a lawyer and you should do that because it's a it's kind of complicated like applying for your gun rights you have to put in a petition to the circuit court and you have to send a copy to the commonwealth and they can try to object but they don't always get their way so it's good to have a lawyer on your side but it is possible if you even if you were convicted of an offense the general assembly is now allowing you to go and get an expungement as long as you meet certain criteria and that's that's really important because that'll help with jobs that'll help with financial aid for going back to school it'll help with being able to keep your kids in certain custody situations it's a really awesome opportunity it's the general assembly recognizing that we want people back in our community and once they've sort of paid their debt to society um, they can come back into the community and just just be people and we're not constantly tagging people with these labels that can affect the rest of their lives so the next piece we're going to talk about is the habitual offenders. This is really short. Basically, if you are tagged a habitual offender, which is a very old law from 1968, which had to do with driving, and it was very easy to get, but it could potentially, if you were still driving after having been convicted of a previous offense as a habitual offender, you could potentially be facing a mandatory year in prison just for driving. Not even driving drunk, not anything else, just if you were driving. That's it. Mandatory year in prison. And it was it has taken so long to get this off the books and it went so slow, but finally the General Assembly has repealed the habitual offender law. And if you were previously found to be a habitual offender, the the new law says the Department of Motor Vehicles shall reinstate a person's privilege to drive a motor vehicle. So it's really important if that was you, go and talk to an attorney and see if they can help you get your license back because there's a really good chance you can get your license back and we all know that driving in this community in Halifax in these rural areas it is so important because we don't have public transportation so if you can do that please go and talk to an attorney and try and get your license back so the next thing we'll talk about is the driving behaviors there's some new changes to that when how the police can pull you over Vikram can you tell us about that definitely and this is a again a new very new uh, in the law and and it it calls and it has caused some controversy, but I think it's it's good that uh, the General Assembly, the law now gives uh, guidance to to officers, law enforcement officers, of some of the reasons why they cannot stop a person uh, on a traffic um, situation. So the the law lists several. Uh, without a light illuminating a license plate, that is your uh, the light, the tag light. If that's out, that's not a reason for a stop. Uh, an officer can't stop you just because of that. If there's some defective or unsafe equipment like a cracked windshield, the officer can't stop you just because of that. 
just be, uh, the only reason. If the brake light is out or a high mount stoplight on these uh, other vehicles, that's one of the, another reason. Without the exhaust system, or um, uh, you know, too loud exhaust, that was another uh, uh, fun reason why the. Uh, uh, law enforcement could stop you. That is not going to be a, a reason now. Uh, shade is another reason, and certain objects suspended from the ve uh, vehicle, like the from the mirror, that's now not an, a reason for law enforcement to stop to stop you. Now, it doesn't mean that people can put all kinds of things all you know and just make it unsafe to drive. You you need to be safe to drive, but those are not the reasons law enforcement can stop you now. Um, Importantly, if the officer says, I stopped you for one of these reasons, then, and it's now illegal for that to happen, the court can decide, and the court will decide, that all information after that stop cannot be used against uh, the, uh, the, the person that got stopped. So it's a very dramatic law. It, it was done for specific reasons because... Um, because law enforcement were using these excuses to stop people and, and to check out their vehicle and, and, and start with criminal prosecutions. Um, again, it's, it's not, it doesn't mean the law enforcement can't do anything. It just means that they have to have the proper reason for stop. So, for example, if you're speeding, you can get stopped for speeding. I mean, that's legitimate. If you're, uh, uh, you're driving recklessly, you can be stopped for that. And always, if you see uh, blue lights, if you see an officer trying to get you to stop, you need to follow their directions, at least for the stop. You worry about everything else later after you talk to an attorney. The other thing is, if you are on a stop and it's for one of these issues, or while you're on a stop, say you got pulled over for speeding and all of a sudden the officer is saying, hey, I smell the odor of marijuana, that's not okay. They cannot do that anymore. They cannot seize you or extend a stop just because they smell marijuana. We're going to get to marijuana in just a minute, but the odor of marijuana, it is a very amorphous thing and it's really difficult for us as defense attorneys to try and say well no did you really smell something like because you can't see it you, you don't know that it's there and we don't see them when they don't find anything but they use it as an excuse to search a vehicle and they cannot the police cannot do that anymore now here's something that is important we'll get to this a little bit more in marijuana there are still valid reasons the police can pull you over and speeding is one of them um, not taking care of your car in a specific way that makes it dangerous, like Vikram said, is another one. If you get pulled over, the best thing we can tell you, just like uh, Lieutenant Red was talking with the South Boston police and the um, Sean with 10 Minutes of Truth, you need to be polite and cooperative and then take it to an attorney. You take it immediately to an attorney and let the attorney take, hash it out because that's the place where we can, we can really help people. All right, so I said we were going to talk about marijuana, and this is it. This is the big, pardon the pun, buzz thing that's happening right now on July 1st. And actually, it started a little bit March 1st, but on, on July 1st, the General Assembly is saying that people can possess up to one ounce of marijuana and up to four plants, but you got to be really careful about that, and, and there is still a prohibition. It is still illegal to sell or distribute marijuana. There's some very limited circumstances where you can share, 
but be very, very careful before you pass something because it there are still limited circumstances in which the police can get you for that. So you want to be really careful. If you have any questions about marijuana, you want to talk to an attorney. You can also go to the new website that's been created. It's www.cannabis.virginia.gov, and that has a lot of frequently asked questions, a lot of good information for people who have questions about marijuana. Now, eventually we're going to get to a place where we can we can have like distribution centers and we are on the path to having illegal marijuana in Virginia but we're not there yet it's a very complicated law um, I got asked a question about what are the ramifications of owning and growing and then what are the ramifications of children I can't answer those I want to give you an idea but it's so new that we aren't really sure so if you have any questions about anything you really need to talk to an attorney especially if you have kids because possession of marijuana is now treated like alcohol you have to be 21 years of age or older if you are under 21 you cannot have it so if you have any questions you can check out that website www.cannabis.virginia.gov or just talk to an attorney and an attorney can help guide you so talking about sharing if you are passing something say you're at like a paint and sip for like wine night um and you just pass your drink and say hey do you want to try this that's what i mean about passing so if you're sitting around your campfire you're sitting around with some friends and you're watching a movie or something and somebody starts to toke if you pass that joint or if you pass that pipe over to the next person that's what i mean about passing that's that is very limited circumstances where that won't get you in trouble so if you have questions you should talk to an attorney but there there are certain circumstances where that is legal you just got to be really careful about it okay so the last topic we're going to talk about is what is changing with regards to arrest and prosecution for people who find themselves in a situation where someone is overdosing in Virginia, until recently, if you yourself were uh, experiencing an overdose and you had something still on your pocket, the law did allow for you to contact the police and get help. But you're overdosing, and so that's usually you need someone there to help you, right? So it, they did allow for one person to be calling 911, but in situations where maybe you have a couple of people or you're in a group if you, if someone is experiencing an overdose and you have something in your pocket do not be afraid to contact the police if you as long as you are assisting that person um, who's experiencing the overdose like rendering CPR or some sort of medical aid um, if you are the person calling 911 if you have something on your person as long as you cooperate and you stick around and you are there to help the person who is overdosing they cannot use the possession of what you have against you and in a prosecution and that is really helpful because with the epidemic of drugs we have in our community and the number of lives that we have lost with an overdose nothing that is in your pocket is worth us losing a member of this community so please if you are around and you see someone overdosing you should be safe to call 911 and ask for aid you cannot get in trouble if you happen to have something in your pocket that you're not supposed to have so please if you see someone experiencing an overdose call 911 ask for medical attention ask for Narcan get that aid 
and don't worry about what's happening in your pocket. Let let us, the defense attorneys, be the ones to help you with that later. And it's important again, the General Assembly recognizing the people of of the of our both House of Delegates and Senate, realizing that the epidemic is is here, it's real, it's hurting people, it's hurting our communities. And they want to make sure that people get a second chance, that people help uh, their friends and family who are experiencing these uh, overdoses, and that you know, if they're having also their own issues, it might be able to help them get them on the path of recovery as well. So uh, it's a very good uh, change in the law. It's a, a recognition that the community needs to help each other um, get through this uh, ec- uh, epidemic. Okay, so these are the big changes that we've had in the law. We are so grateful to Sean Barksdale and everyone at 10 Minutes of Truth for giving us the opportunity to get this information out to our community. We at the Public Defender's Office are limited in what we can do, but we are here for this community. We are a service that exists for the community, and we want the community to feel like they can come to us and trust us if they get a court-appointed attorney. We All we do are criminal cases, so that limits us in being able to help in some of this other stuff, but we want our community to know what their rights are. We want you to know what you can and cannot do in some situations, what the police can and cannot do in some situations. If you have any questions, reach out to an attorney and ask them. They'll be able to help you. And please, if you are in a situation where you're facing a judge and the judge is asking you if you um, want to hire, if you want court appointed, or you want to waive your right to counsel, we want our community to feel comfortable saying, I want a court appointed attorney. So Blair, uh, um, you know, we here at the Public Defender's Office, we, you know, wonder what the community knows about our office and what we do. Um, you know, uh, like where we are, uh, where our address is, and where we're located. And our address is 2201 Wilborn Avenue, and that's in South Boston. We are in Hubs Mill Plaza near the Windmill, um, near Hope Church, and the the new Fit Club that's down here right across from the hospital. Um, We serve the counties of Halifax, Mecklenburg, and Lunenburg, which seems really far out there, but we get people who come here from Lunenburg. Um, And if you are appointed an attorney from the public defender's office, that is where you go to meet with your attorney. Um, But a lot of times we're talking to people over the phone, and our phone number and our email are the best ways to get with some of our attorneys. That phone number is 434-575-1015. Five, four, and all of our emails are our first initial and our last name at vadefenders.org. So that's VA like Virginia, defenders, plural, dot org. And it's important that people in Mecklenburg and also in, in Lunenburg know that, you know, we, we, you know, we have clients from all over the place, and we will come and see you if we have to. Uh, we will make arrangements, or you can come to South Boston and come and see us. Uh, it's just that as long as you communicate with your lawyer, uh, you know, that's the best way of helping you through this situation. Um, the thing is that, you know, again, people realize that the Constitution is something that we organize our society, our community around, particularly in the United States. And our Constitution, both the United States Constitution and the Virginia Constitution guarantees the right to have counsel uh, if you're charged with a criminal criminal matter, if you're involved in a criminal prosecution. And that's, 
that's why this office exists is to help people who are charged with these type of crimes and and it can be anything from truancy we have a lot of times where uh, children are charged with not going to school there um, and, and you know we handle that which is which is a serious matter but it's uh, sort of on the uh, low end of the scale to uh, murder uh, we 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 represent people with uh, um, first-degree murder and all uh, all the homicide cases. So it's a wide variety of things that we do. The important thing about our office is this is what we do. We um, we only do criminal work. We don't do anything else, and that's important because we're very we're specialized in this kind of uh, uh, work. Also, you can't pay us we it's it seems odd but we're paid by the state we work for the indigent defense commission which is a state agency but but let me be very clear the state is not paying me to ensure some sort of a conviction i am a defense attorney my client is my person that is who i am representing so while my paycheck may come from the commonwealth of virginia my boss is my client so let me be real clear about that because there's a lot of misconceptions about being a state attorney you you're just working with the commonwealth that's not what we do we pride ourselves in being able to help our community and working as hard as we can for our clients now we have a lot of clients because there's a lot of people that don't have the ability to hire an attorney attorneys are very expensive and we recognize that but if you are in need of an attorney a court-appointed attorney, especially if they're a public defender, they are working hard for you. And there's just a lot of people that need our services. Um, Vikram, did you know? I know you talked about Gideon and, and uh, the Sixth Amendment, and that's how our jobs came into being. But did you know that the very first public defender's office was actually started by a woman in Los Angeles? Mm -hmm. Her name was Clara Shortridge Foltz. And that we were doing this job going back to um, 1893 is when the first public defender's office idea started. Yeah. See, because lawyers on both sides, they – they are there to represent their client, uh, whether it's on the Commonwealth's attorney side or whether it's on the defendant side, the uh, client side. We are there to represent our clients. Now, we at the Public Defender's Office, whatever resources we can put together, we try to do it. Uh, generally, you know, it's just us where, uh, you know, the Commonwealth, a Commonwealth attorney has a lot of other resources, you know, the state police, local police, um, even federal uh, law enforcement can be involved. Um, they have a, they have resources, and because that's that's what the community expects of the Commonwealth Attorney to prosecute cases in their jurisdiction. We, on the other hand, have to defend the people who have been charged with these crimes, and um, you know, many times they are they are found not guilty. They are innocent of the charge, and in fact, here in in Halifax, we've been. Uh, uh, it's been great that uh, several of the cases we've had recently they've been they've ended in acquittals, uh, findings of not guilty. So it is. Um, we know the Commonwealth will fight hard for the community. You also need to know that uh, the public defender fights hard for their clients, and by extension, the community as well. It's um, it's a, uh, a very dynamic place in the law here in, in Halifax and Mecklenburg and Lunenburg where uh, we've got good attorneys all around trying to find the truth, get things done uh, for, for respective clients. And it's funny you mentioned one of those acquittals. We had one on 
Tuesday, actually, that it went to a jury trial. And we've had a number of juries that have been very successful. Um, we are very blessed to have very experienced attorneys in this office. I don't think anybody who's currently working in this office as an attorney has less than 10 years of experience in criminal law. But on Tuesday, we actually had an acquittal. And it, it was in a jury trial, but it didn't even get to the jury. And part of that was because one of our support staff, our mitigation specialist, who used to be the investigator in this office, she actually found a key piece of evidence that we were able to present that really helped us get our client his day in court and show that this was they, they did not have the right person and that this was a mistake and that there needs to be some 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 more resources put into that particular case right um it, it's a it's really is a team effort here and and we we try to work hard for our client and uh and we we want the community to know that uh we are very um we're ready to help anyone that uh, asks for our help or uh, we are appointed through the court but who asks through the court so another really awesome thing that we have um, is, like you were saying, our, our resources that we have. We also have our support staff that can really help. We have an investigator in our office who's just dedicated to our office. He's not law enforcement. He's just like a private investigator, and he's paid by the Indigent Defense Commission so that we have someone who can go out and also do investigations on behalf of our clients. We have a mitigation specialist who can help us find information. She's very knowledgeable about medical records and how to get in touch with um, rehab facilities so we can try to find alternatives to incarceration. Um, and they are really important because when you get arrested, if you are if you have all of this information and you're like, man, I just got to tell my lawyer, sometimes that that man i just got to tell somebody how i'm innocent that instinct is to just start telling it to the first person who's there and most of the time that's a police officer and we need you to tamp down on that instinct and not talk to the police yet you want to wait to talk to someone in your attorney's office you want to wait to talk to your attorney about anything that is going on with your case it's really important that you remember that you have the right to remain silent you need to be polite about it but you you really need to remember that it it is in your best instincts to just wait to talk to your attorney. And Vikram, can you tell us about what we need our clients to have when they, they get to us? So for sure, it's uh, generally what happens is our clients are uh, arrested, they're taken to a magistrate, they're taken to jail. And it's a scary, certainly a scary situation, a, a, a frightening a situation. But the important thing is is to not say anything about the case itself. Cooperate with law enforcement to the point of the your the information about the case itself. Don't don't antagonize them. Let them go through their process. But you keep that information to yourself. Now you you wait till you talk to an attorney. The important thing when you do talk to an attorney or get to your uh, get your family to contact an attorney um, is to make sure that you keep in your mind what happened and talk to your attorney. Your attorney, at least at the public defender's office, will either talk to you by phone or by VTEL or by the video system, or they'll come to the uh, come to the jail to talk to you. Now, obviously, this is before the uh, bond hearing, but if you get bond, then the first thing you do when you get out of jail on bond is make an appointment with your public defender and come and see them 
and and bring all the information you can about what happened, about who was there, uh, what was said. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be crazy because a lot of people don't remember exactly what happened. But it's important that you talk to your lawyer as soon as you get out of jail to try to figure out what happened, put it in order so you can uh, defend yourself effectively. Sean's been talking to Wayne, I think it is, in his uh, recent podcast episodes about what it's like to work in the jail and what he sees when he would see someone come into the jail. Family members, if you have a loved one who is going into the jail and you know that they're likely to get the public defender or a court-appointed lawyer because that's who they've talked to before, it's okay to try to reach out to the attorney to see what you can do. It's it's perfectly okay to reach out to a bondsman, to try and reach out to an attorney. If you are in a position to help your loved one, we, that is wonderful and you should you should take advantage of that. Um, as much as you can, just try to get as much information that you know about the family member, like we've talked about with mental health issues or employment, to help us be able to prepare for bail hearings, all of that information can be helpful. So if you have a loved one who gets arrested or gets hemmed up in some sort of a situation, do it, what you need to do is also listen to this so that we can get that information as quickly as possible. So social media is also something that's in, in, the, in the news a lot today. And, and quite frankly, uh, some of the times people have uh, uh, used social media to expose you know some of the things that have happened in, in certain instances that that's a good thing but we would caution people to uh, it's particularly if you've been charged with a crime or you're the one that the, the law enforcement is looking at as a suspect is n not to put things on social media not to uh, tell the world about what happened to you on social media because as and everything uh, lawyers do is they'll they'll take your statements and they'll interpret it in whatever way they can see that that's an interpretation it could be interpreted against you or interpreted uh, for you it just depends and so it's very important that if if you're involved in a in a situation where there may be charges or there have been charges placed you particularly the client needs to stay away from social media I would urge family also to not uh, comment on social media uh, talk about uh, the potential accuser in the situation to talk about the the certain things these this is information if you have it and you want to put it on social media it's probably best that you talk to the to your loved one's attorney it's best that you talk to your your lawyer about what you think is going on uh, in a situation. So we, <clears throat> so we talked about the right to remain silent and your your right to um, not incriminate yourself under the Fifth Amendment. Those rights also apply to anything you post online. It's not just about what you're saying with your voice. It's also about what you're saying on your Instagram. It's also about what you're saying on your Facebook page or your Twitter account. All of those are statements that you are making. Now, it's in written form and it's in digital form, but it is still a statement. And I know I sound a little bit like a Law & Order episode right now, but anything you say can and will be used against you in court. And a lot of the times when I have a client and I'm representing that person, I'm just, just 
shaking my head because I wish they had just held the tongue just a little bit more and waited to talk to me instead of talking to whoever was right in front of them or talking to their phone. So the last thing we'll say also is if you are incarcerated, and we've talked a lot about that, and there's a lot of new laws that are changing, if you are incarcerated and you are talking to your loved one on the phone, you're going to hear a recording that says um, what you're saying on the phone is being recorded. Uh, That is very real. Anything you say on that phone system, even if you're talking to some on someone else's account, they're recording it and they can find it and they'll get it eventually. And I have a lot of situations in, in my practice where I'm listening to jail phone calls because the police have pulled the jail phone calls and it's very easy to do. So just be very careful about what you're saying on the phone. Um, Again, we want to thank the 10 Minutes of Truth for giving us this platform. It's amazing to be able to reach out to our community like this. It's absolutely something we want to be doing more. And we're so grateful to Sean and everybody at 10 Minutes of Truth for giving us the opportunity to reach out to our community like this. Definitely thank you uh, for for this great opportunity. And we wish to hopefully uh, talk to you again soon. You've just heard from Vikram Capel and Blair Trent. Thank you guys for your service. I want to thank our sponsors, the Trent Law Practice in Halifax. These guys know that anytime you need a lawyer, whether you were injured in a car accident, face criminal charges, or have family issues, it's probably the most stressful time of your life. Mike Trent and everyone there is committed to seeing you and your family come out of a bad situation the best way possible. So if you even think you need a lawyer, give them a call at 434-471-4339 or look them up at TrentLawPractice.com. Most consults with Mike are free, either in the office or over the phone. That's TrentLawPractice.com or 434-471-4339.